Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, rolling along. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Got a little sidetracked there as we generally tend to do. Hashtag crew is here. Hembo Bubba Cam and Company. Something I've been meaning to get to for a couple of days um, that I will get to here is that I think someone is, is getting off a little bit easily in the world of sports. And I'm not exactly sure what the appropriate discipline should be. Um, but I think more needs to be said about David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, than has been said. This has nothing to do with how well or poorly he has run his organization. Because while to this point he has not done a very good job, he keeps bringing in and out coaches and all that kind of stuff, that's normal. Tons of NFL owners have had stretches far worse than the five years or whatever it's been that he's been there, and plenty more of them will. Not owning a team well, whatever that is, not managing the operation of a team as far as wins and losses on the field successfully, that that, that to me is not, I understand if you're a fan of the team, you're frustrated by that, but that's not something that I think is deserving of true criticism. The thing with the drink, throwing the drink on the fans as an NFL owner is something I think is not getting enough attention. Like, that is so beyond the pale. I, I, don't, I don't know what exactly it is, but unless a line, and clearly this was not what happened, because if you read the statements, unless some line was so crossed, something was said to him or done in some way that was so far and above the pale, that is conduct that is so unbecoming of a person in his position, I don't even have the adjectives to describe it. I'm embarrassed for him, and what makes me more upset is it does not feel to me like he's embarrassed at all. His statement that he released, let me make sure that everyone knows what I'm talking about. Sometimes, like I think we assume everyone listening to the show knows everything that's happened. David Tepper is the owner of the Carolina Panthers. He's a self-made trillionaire. He's worth 20-something billion dollars. And you don't get to be that unless you're an incredibly smart guy. So he is obviously an incredibly intelligent man. He also comes from great NFL stock, which is to say before he bought the Panthers, he was part of the ownership group of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he sort of, if there is such a thing, he's of the Rooney tree. The Rooney family is royalty in the NFL. No one is as beloved and universally respected in that sport as the Rooney family is. So when that guy says, I want to buy a team, if you're the NFL, you got to think this is a dream scenario. Self-made billionaire, super smart, obviously very you know aggressive, enthusiastic. You can tell from his personality that he is all of those things. And he's learned from the Steeler way, which is the best way. And so for it to have gone so completely wrong is a disappointment. And again, the day-to-day operations of the team, maybe they drafted the wrong quarterback, maybe he meddled in that, maybe he didn't, I don't know. But all of that stuff is sort of par for the ownership course. But the other day, so the team has, you know what they are, they're terrible. They're the worst team in the sport. Um, And 
He's sitting there. They're losing to Jacksonville like thirty something to nothing, right? Was that? It was. Yeah, it, it was a. Yeah, it was a complete a whitewash. Game. A whitewash. And he's sitting in a box that that the windows of which are open. So there are fans. He's sitting. He's sitting in a in a two row box. He's sitting in a. There's a seat. There's a row of seats in front of him. Then there's him, and in front of them, on the other side of an open glass partition, are fans. And I don't know what the fans were saying to him. I, I have no idea. But in a moment of frustration, and if you see the video, it's like a moment of, of real anger. It is a disturbing looking, again, not to suggest that it was threatening, but it is a, a very bad look kind of video. He picks up a drink and flings it. Like, not even the cup. Like, he doesn't throw the cup. He, like, flings the drink the way they would do, like, in, they'd throw a drink in your face in a movie from the 1940s. And it is a terrible look. And the NFL fined him. Now, look, there is no amount of money that you could find David Tepper that it's going to make any difference. I, I, I saw some people's reaction was, oh, what a slap on the wrist. They only fined him. And my, my computer just went dead here. They only fined him, what was it, $300,000? That's right. And, and his net worth is 20-something billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So... People are saying, oh, they should have given him a bigger fine. What are you going to find him, a billion dollars? Like, that, that's not – it was never on the table that they were going to be able to levy a punishment that was meaningful. The statement from the NFL, I think, went about as far as it possibly could, saying the NFL today fined Panthers chairman David Tepper $300,000 for his unacceptable conduct in Jacksonville. All NFL personnel are expected to conduct themselves at all times in ways that respect our fans and favorably reflect – on their team in the NFL. I'm not critical of the NFL for this at all. I don't know what more than that they can do. Stop me if you disagree. Is there something more they could do? This isn't the kind of thing you're not going to suspend him. You're not going to dock the team draft picks. I don't think. I don't think it rises to those things. It's not cheating. It's not impacting the integrity of the sport. Do, Do you believe the NFL, before I get back to Tepper, do you believe the NFL should have gone farther? Yes, I do. Um, I agree with you that there is no, within reason, amount of money that could have impacted him. I actually ran these numbers for myself, (laughs) and $300,000 to me, in his case, would be the equivalent of me being fined $6. So like, that's how slap on a wristy it is. But if you're a fan that did the exact same thing in the exact same stadium, they're not fining you. You're just not allowed to ever come back. They're probably taking your tickets away. Access is what the NFL should have considered limiting or deleting for David Tepper, at least for the rest of the season. So a suspension of sorts, not necessarily from running the team, but from attending games. Now, candidly, you might argue they'd be doing him a favor not to have to sit there and watch his (laughs) his his dreck that he is that his team is putting on the field. But again, this is less about how bad they are, because I would feel exactly the same way if this was the owner in Baltimore or San Francisco. And I'm only using them because they're having the best seasons of any team. I'm not suggesting that either of those owners would ever do this because I can't believe any owner would do this. I can't believe it. That is such a lack of control. That is such a, a, a lack of, like we talk about Draymond Green having anger management issues. How the hell are you the owner of an NFL team? You have the option of just getting up and walking away at any time you want. You own the building for crying out loud. You could just get up and walk away. So whatever it is the fans were chanting, yelling, whatever the case may be, to pick up a drink and fling it at them, is unimaginably unbecoming. I, I, I know I keep repeating that phrase. Please help me find a better one if you can think of one. I can't. And then his statement sucked. 
His statement was, I am deeply passionate about this team and regret my behavior on Sunday. I should have let NFL Stadium security handle any issues that arose. I respect the NFL's code of conduct and accept the league's discipline for my behavior. How about, I'm sorry to the people I threw a freaking drink on. Because unless they threw something at him, sticks and stones here, guys. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but a drink will soak my clothing. I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I don't really know what I want to say. I want to say that more should be said of this. I was away on vacation while this was happening, and I wasn't here on Monday. And obviously, Monday was the prelude to the national champ. Oh, not I keep calling it that to the to the two semifinal games that night, and there was all the other NFL games that actually mattered much more than theirs did. I just feel like not enough attention has been paid to this. An NFL owner threw a drink on the fans. If a player did that, the player would be facing disciplinary action, right? For sure. Put yourself in a position where the fan, and by the way, the fans go off on the players all the time. And I don't like it when the players turn around and yell back at them. But that, 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 that horse is out of the barn. All right. If you want to yell back at them, I guess that's just what it is. Mike once told me a story, uh, Mike Golick, years and years ago, and Mike and Mike said there was a story like you, because I was asking him what it's like when the fans are booing you and all that. And he told a great story on the air about how I think that. I want to get make sure I'm getting the details of this right. When he was on the Eagles, their punt returner had a bad day, like had two fumbles. Something terrible happened involving the punt returner. And there were a bunch of fans who were sitting really close by who were really obliterating him, like yelling the nastiest, meanest things in the world. And something that they yelled, like flipped a switch. And Mike started walking towards them. And that a security guard like saw it and jumped in front of him and just said, Mike, it's not worth it. Turn around. And, and, and he realized it and he walked away. Like, you, there, you, there's some things that's just not worth it. It's literally not worth it. And so if a player, if, if, if you're, who's a player is getting booed a lot, I don't know, whoever it is, Zach Wilson is getting booed like crazy by the fans. Imagine what would happen if Zach Wilson took a drink, walked over to the sideline and threw his drink at the fans sitting in the front row. Would that lead every sports show? Would there be calls for him to be suspended? Would he be able to say, I'm deeply passionate about our team and I regret my behavior. I should have let NFL Stadium security handle any issues that arose. I respect the NFL's code of conduct and accept the league's discipline for my behavior. That would have been a very big deal if a player had done it, if a coach had done it. So when the owner does it, it should be a bigger deal. Now, again, I'm not suggesting a $300,000 fine is nothing, even though to him it is nothing, because there are limitations to everything. You just can't go around. If you're going to try and create a fine that is meaningful to him, you literally are going to have to fine him $500 million, and that, that no one in their right mind is suggesting that's reasonable. This is one of those rants that, unfortunately, I don't really have a finish for because I don't have a suggestion of what I think should be done. All I wanted was to make the point that I think not enough has been said about this. This was not a little thing. This was a big thing. Because if it became a thing, it would be everything. If all of a sudden that starts happening left and right now, Woody Johnson's throwing drinks on people, and and, and you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's unf- you're laughing because it's unfathomable. It's unfathomable. But it happened. This guy did it. And I feel like it just kind of went away. Like, ah, we got a fine, we got a suspension, they're a bad team anyway, no one really cares, let's just move on with our day. No. 
I'm not suggesting they should take this team away. I'm not suggesting they should dock him draft picks. I'm not one who sits here thinking excommunicate people from society, the equivalent of canceling people. But the punishment for doing things like this should be some shame. Like, you should be made to feel bad. You should recognize his statement does not in any way suggest, even though he uses the word regret, he, use, he uses the word, I regret, where's the word? And regret my behavior. I regret my behavior. Eh, eh. That's about as bloodless a way as you can say that as I could ever imagine. So that's really the only point. I want to hear you guys, Hembo and Bubba and Cam, on this. I, I just felt like that needed to be said a little bit more before it just goes away. The statement is awful. First of all, the level of passion that you have for your team, <laughs> immaterial, mm-hmm. right? That, that's, that's obvious. What he effectively has done here, like you see this happen at a bar on occasion, and this is the equivalent of, a, of apologizing to the bar, but not any of the people that... <laughs> that's right. like, I wish that the bartender had kicked out these people that were bothering me. Right. This is ridiculous! Yeah. A full-grown man especially a full-grown man with this kind of power, and it really punctuates one of the worst seasons in NFL history. I mean, this team is trying to win, and they have two of them. They don't have their own pick, which happens to be the first pick. He's obviously frustrated, but it's the, it's the discernment here that is actually a major concern. Like this is, this is a rotten apple in the barrel. And if I were Roger Goodell, this would be a major concern of mine moving forward because you only have 32 of these, and one of them right now is a rotten apple. Talk to me, uh, Bubba and Cam. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's pathetic, it's childish, all those things. And I think it's like a quick moment of just like flushed anger. But deep down, it's someone who knows he's Teflon and cannot be touched for something like this. Like, even if it is a moment where he's not thinking, like, even in in the aftermath, he's probably like, wow, that was pretty stupid. But what are they going to do? Like, find me $300,000? He knows (laughs) that they can't do anything to him because he's an owner. Bubba, give me a final word. Yeah, I mean, I think when you bring up the player, Zach Wilson, I think that's the the best point because I think if it happened to him, I don't think he would only get a $300,000 fine. He would most likely be suspended. Oh, for sure. So how I, I, th- I think we probably could find some sort of precedent, not of throwing a drink, but any, any contact of any kind uh, between a player and a fan in right. any sport generally, I think, results in far more significant discipline. Sorry, Bubba. Yeah, so I'm just saying, so you would think we should be holding the owners to a much higher standard than a player. When the, so that's, to me, the biggest frustration out of this. I agree with the statement being ridiculous, but to me, that's the thing. You know a player would be, be a much harsher punishment. So, you know, whether or not he should have been fined more, I, I, I'm not going to get caught up in what his net worth is and all that stuff is, but he should be held to a much higher standard as an owner and, you know, some sort of a suspension or something, because you know that's sort of what happened to a player. Yeah, absolutely right. All right, I just wanted to throw those things out there. In the meantime, time for everybody's favorite. It's Hembo's Trivia. We got group trivia today. This is on the heels of your NFC quarterback confidence index from Get Up this morning. So what I am looking at is a leaderboard of most playoff wins all time by NFC Quarterbacks. Quarterbacks playing on NFC teams. You're going to give me your five names, and we'll see how many of those five names match my list. Okay, so, so the top five NFC, Yikes. does this include Super Bowls? It does. All right, so, and, and, and does it predate the Super Bowl? Uh, it's just since the merger. It's just since the merger. Mm-hmm. So it's just since the merger. So it's NFC, not NFL. Yeah, the winningest NFC quarterbacks in playoff history. And that includes Super Bowl games. Yeah, it does. Okay, fair enough. The answer is All next right. on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Greeny, the podcast. All right, this is a genuinely great question. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Wow, okay, and how are your trivia skills? This is Sneaky Hembo Trivia. Regular sneaky or extra sneaky? Hembo, today's question. There are five quarterbacks in the history of the NFC that have won at least 10 playoff games. You're going to give me five names, and we're going to see how many of the top five you get right. Okay, so, so it's group trivia, and uh, we know that they have to have won at least 10. So as we went through this, guys, we, we, we thought of Eli Manning because of those two runs, but we know for sure Eli Manning only won eight. Right. So if he's not on the list, okay, we've got, we're going to have to guess five. We have, we have two of them that I think are stone-cold lead pipe locks. Right, guys? So sh- you want me just to do the talking here, and then we'll talk through it? Yeah. All right. It, it, if one of them isn't Joe Montana, I give up. That's correct. Okay. He's first with 14. Okay. Nice, nice. We all feel good about Favre, right? I yes. mean, he played forever. He won playoff games in Minnesota, too. It has to be Favre. Yep. That's correct. Okay. He's second with 13. All, all right, right okay. here we go. So we, got two, we have two Cowboys quarterbacks on our list, and I, I think I feel good about them both. Staubach made it to four Super Bowls, won two of them. They didn't play as many playoff games in those days as they do now, but he made the playoffs a lot more years than that. Guys, I think it's Staubach, but, but I, Bubba, do you feel good about that as a Cowboys fan? Would he have won 11 playoff games? I'm more confident in Aikman I know. than Staubach. I think let's get, let's get Aikman on the board Aikman first. went to three Super Bowls. And won them all. Won yeah. other playoff games. Right, and won them all. That's right. So that right there, that's like nine. Yeah. So let's okay. get, I think let's get Aikman Troy on the board Aikman. first. Troy Aikman is correct. Okay. All he right. is in a three-way tie with two others with 11. Okay. okay. So, so right now, I only have one more name written down because we crossed off, just so the, the people listening, we crossed off Aaron Rodgers. We crossed off Drew Brees. We, we are, we are, we are kind of going back and forth on Fran Tarkenton. I f- kind of feel good about Staubach, but I'm, guys, I feel like you guys are questioning it. 
Four, he won two Super Bowls, so that's six right there. Yeah. He made it to two others. That's two more wins to I get think, to those. That's yeah. ten right yeah, there. For sure. It has to be Starbucks. Let's that's correct. It. Okay, thank you. He won 11 as well. So okay. we need one more. One more. Oh, four God. for four. four. Like, uh. right. So here, here's who I have written down. Okay. I, I think Roger's probably not, but I, I still on the table. Right. Uh, Breeze, Steve Young, I think no. Russ, I think no. And then Tarkenton, maybe, but he was in the NFL for a while, not the NFC. That's right. And then I don't think it's McNabb, but he did go to a lot of playoff games, so that was the other one I had written down. So McNabb made five NFC championship games, but only won one of them. Yes. Right? So we're talking about winning just one playoff game a year all those years, except for the time they went to the Super Bowl. So if I'm doing the math correctly, that would put him at seven. But but they were in the wild card a couple of those years, too. So so it could have been two a couple of those years. So that is a lot, but I think it's... Uh, well, but what do you think? Should we go McNabb? I don't know if that gets to 11 either way, though. Who's the leader in the clubhouse right now for you guys? I, I think I think you, you're kind of talking me into McNabb. What about Rodgers? Rodgers has also been to like five. Rodgers. Or six. I think he's been to five or six. And he won a Super games? Bowl. I would yeah. think Rodgers ahead of McNabb. And yeah. actually, they were a wild card the year that they won the Super yes. Bowl. So yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's right McNabb. There. I think it's Rodgers. Okay, we are going with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. The correct answer is... Aaron Rodgers. Yes! There we go! We are so good at this! What a day! What a day! Woo! Fantastic! Oh my goodness, that is so good! Look how upset Hembo is. That makes me so happy. I am despondent. Yes. Your displeasure is is bringing us great joy. Happy new, Hembo. Five happy new. Five. Happy new to one and all. Give us the list. So, by the way, Russell Wilson, nine. Kurt Warner, nine. Donovan McNabb, nine. And Drew Brees, nine. You guys and Eli eight. We crushed it. Peppered the leaderboard. Yeah, Eli is, come up with Eli Warner. and Steve Young. Warner's the only one eight. we didn't even do. Eli eight, Steve Young eight, and is Tarkenton where would he have uh, been only do? six. Only six. Ooh, okay. All right. We did well. Boys, nice. I'm proud of us. Ooh. All right. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance at Progressive. They're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at progressive.com or one eight hundred progressive. Okay, where is my uh, favorite tweet of the day? I want to play that one. And I haven't been here in a while, so I can't I don't find think it's the up sounder. There. It may not be up there. Well, let me I just add it. Like, without, without playing the sounder, let me just read you my favorite tweet of the day. When you tweet all that stuff out, guess what? We got it. My favorite tweet of the day. Smoothly handled by us. Mm. My favorite tweet of the day comes from our friend, Mr. Herb Street. Herbie tweeted this, and I feel like it's, it's, a, it's an idea that is gaining at least some momentum. I hear other people talking about it. I guess I can't say with certainty that Herbie is the first person who said it, but he's the first person whom I heard say it. He tweeted, I've been saying this for years. I'll say it one more time. As the world of college football changes in so many ways, I really wish the leaders and decision makers would just make the Rose Bowl game the host for the national championship every year. The setting, beauty, field, and history of that place is unparalleled. Last night was another chapter in its long and incredible history of memorable moments. So he tweeted that, obviously, the other day after they played that unforgettable game between Michigan and Alabama. The Rose Bowl is the granddaddy of them all at a time when Everything else in the sport has changed. It has somehow maintained its grandeur. This year, of course, because of the matchup, it felt bigger than the others. But it manages to remain big, even in years when it isn't, for lack of a better word, in the rotation. Which is to say, if you're a person, or if you're a person who doesn't care as much about college football, you're going to watch the two bowl games that are the semifinals 
And then if the Rose Bowl isn't one of them, I feel like you still watch that one too. There's just something bigger about the Rose Bowl. And so now as they do go to what is going to be a playoff atmosphere. It is going to be a true playoff environment. We're going to have the equivalent of the NFL playoffs in college football starting next year. Do we like the idea of, A, always having the championship in one place, and then, B, that one place being the Rose Bowl? What do you think of the idea, Hembo? I love the idea. Um, This is not like a soapbox thing, but I I do feel like with the commercialization of sports in general this is sort of a notion that has gotten a little bit lost there is something magical about seeing sports be played in these types of places places like augusta national and uh, at at places like churchill downs and uh where, where they play wimbledon every year like i think there are a select few of those a handful of those maybe as many as 10 or 12 of those that we should hold near and dear there is no obvious reason why the Rose Bowl should host any game that's not of the utmost importance. I watched every second of that game. It was as compelling a television show as I have ever seen. Everything about it was nearly perfect. Right, but let me stop you there. If that game had been played in the Superdome, or if it had been played in Jerry World, or if it had been played in out of whatever the stadium in Atlanta is called, I forget now, it's not the Georgia Dome anymore, whatever, one of the other places they could have played it, would you have been less compelled by the game? Absolutely. I I think the notion of these games being played in these dingy stadiums in New Orleans or Texas or San Antonio or Atlanta is stupid and silly. Like, this is a TV show, a product. That visually is absolutely beautiful. Like, watching a World Series game at Wrigley or in Fenway Park or seeing Snowfall in Lambeau Field and seeing Brett Favre's breath. Like, why not lean into that? Take advantage of that. Sports should be beautiful. And that's the one thing that college football has to offer. That place, we should maximize it Every chance we get. That's an interesting idea. So there are golf courses like that that, that are. That, there is no golf course more telegenic than Augusta National, and there is no golf course um, that is second most telegenic than Pebble Beach. Mm. Th- th- those, those are the most telegenic golf courses in the world. Um, th- uh, as far as sports that it matters where they're being played, baseball. I, I, I mean, there's a, there is a, a perceptible difference in a baseball game that is played at Wrigley Field or at Fenway Park than there is from one that is played in Tampa, whatever that stadium is called, or, or whatever the other, like most of the other baseball stadiums, Absolutely. Right? There it, is a difference. There is. Football, there is a, let's use the NFL, Lambeau Field does still have a specialness to it. For me, I think Soldier Field will always have a specialness to it, but they, they managed to put like a, a flying saucer in the middle of it, so it doesn't look like it used to look anymore, but... The setting being right on Lake Michigan still matters. A few football stadiums still matter. I will tell you this, and I, and I wrote this in my first book. The Rose Bowl is the most exceptional place to see a football game live that I've ever been. The first Super Bowl I ever covered, which I think still has to be one of my top five experiences in my broadcasting career. Just, just not... I was not an important person at that at all. I was covering it for my radio station in Chicago. I was 20. This was January of 93. So I was 25 years old. And I, they sent me to the Rose Bowl. I mean, they sent me to Pasadena because that's where the game was being played. It was the Dallas-Buffalo 52-17 to game. Um, but I'm, I, I had never been in the Rose Bowl before. Like everyone else, I had seen the Rose Bowl before, but I'd never been in the stadium. Let me tell you, when you were sitting in that stadium and you were staring at the mountains in the distance – and the sun starts to set, and the military flyover goes by, which they have for the Super Bowl. I wrote this in my book. I started to cry. Like, I literally had tears in my eyes 
because I thought, my God, all of my life, this has been my dream. That's as close as I was ever going to get to playing in the Super Bowl. I never had a chance to play in the Super Bowl. My wildest imagination was maybe someday I'd get to actually work at the Super Bowl. And, and, and that is a memory I will take with me forever. So I like the idea of it being now that we're going to have playoffs. And, and someone sent me the rotation of it is the first round are going to be played on campus, on campuses, right? And then does it go to a rotation? Someone sent me this the other day, but I don't have it in front of me. I can get it because I remember who sent it to me. It was Fink. (laughs) So I can find that. um, Just give him a quick call. I can find that. Yes, he's a he's a caller. Um, But Fink did send me that the other day. So let me see if I can. It'll be like a Super Bowl like rotation from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, But I'm just trying to see if they if they've already named. It's basically the same way it is now. Where it's like the Peach Bowl, the the Rose Bowl. They're all just all the, the New Year's Six Bowls are rotating through. But but my point is there will be enough playoff games for all of them to get one every year, right? Or no? Yeah. Like there will be there will no longer be one of those bowls that isn't a playoff game that isn't being played for the championship. Am I, am I getting that right? Yes, I believe so. I think that you have that right. Um, I'm gonna try and find this because he, he literally sent me the text. What it felt it, like to me in watching the game, obviously it helped that there were these two legendary programs and coaches, but like it was it was like watching the sport be played. Not to be sappy, but like in its natural habitat. Yeah. Like I remember when I walked into Wrigley Field for the first time and I felt that way about a meaningless game in July. Yeah. Uh, I've never been to the Kentucky Derby, but I would imagine. It's great. That's what it feels like. I have it right here. This is next year's schedule. So next year they will be on Friday, December 20th, one game. On Saturday, December 21st, three games. And those will all be on campus. The following week, then we get to Tuesday, they will play a game in the Fiesta Bowl. Wednesday, they will play the Peach Bowl and the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Those are December 31st. Then Thursday, January 9th, the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl will be the semifinals. And Monday, January 20th, in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, will be the championship game. So that, that's the plan. So all these games, Fiesta, Rose, Sugar, Orange, uh, Cotton Bowl, and, um, and, and the, well, I guess that's the Peach Bowl, will all get a game. Yeah, there's the Peach Bowl, and, and they will, but they will be playoff games. You're not January believe- 20th, though, too. Think about that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's what you're looking at. That's crazy. It's professional yeah. football. It is now professional football. Like the argument has always been made that we we can't have these kids play all these games, but now they, we can because there's enough money involved. We can't play during you know when they would otherwise be taking finals, but now we can because there's enough money involved. When there's enough money involved, we can always do whatever we want them to do. The question is, Bubba, should the championship game always be in the Rose Bowl? Yeah, I was. Th- it's interesting because I think from a viewer perspective, it's it's obviously unbelievable. And I was going to say even that they should have the Super Bowl back there, like you mentioned, the Super Bowl was there. But then I was looking at Herb Street's tweet there, and there are so many people, and even Stephen A. yesterday or two days ago on First Take was mentioning just how how bad it is from a actual people in the stadium perspective. I, I don't know, I've never been, but people were just saying. The facilities are so outdated. Traffic is horrendous. Concessions are terrible. The bathrooms are terrible. So I don't know how much that factors in. Obviously, from a viewer perspective, if you're watching on TV, it's unbelievable. But it just sounds like what I'm reading is just the stadium is just so old and outdated that I'm. I, I just it doesn't seem like it's feasible to keep having these games there. Like 
that I don't think it's even realistic to have it, the national championship game there every year, as much as we would love to have it. I, I almost wouldn't shock me if they don't keep having the Rose Bowl there for forever, the way it sounds like the stadium is. That, that, that would be a real shame. Like, there were some stadiums. Hembo and I have another book coming out next year. And uh, or this year now, and and we'll we have plenty of time. It's not coming out until September, so we have plenty of time to talk about it long before it comes out. One of the things we do is we rank the top ten venues in all of sports. Another thing that I do is I list the the, the places that I miss, and, and I think that there are some stadiums that are gone now that I really miss, and the difference between the perception of someone who's just a fan watching on TV versus the people who are directly involved, is thoroughly different. One of the places I miss is Three Rivers Stadium. Mm. Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh. That was always the sign, Three Rivers Stadium. It's not supposed to be called Heinz Field. It's Three Rivers Stadium. It was multi-purpose. The Pirates played there. The Steelers played there. Ask any football player, they will tell you the greatest day of their lives was when Three Rivers Stadium closed. Except even better than that was when the vet closed because the field, the surface, whatever, the tarp, the turf, uh, at, the, at the vet, it caused more knee damage than any other place you've ever been. But as a fan, it was wonderful to watch those games being played in those places. These days, they build all these new multi-purpose stadiums or, or these new, like, you know, super functional, mm-hmm. you know, in and out kind of stadiums. They're lifeless, bloodless, soulless, awful. Camden Yards is one of the, you know, they, they build a few of them in baseball that are wonderful that still make you feel like that. But for every Camden Yards, there are a bunch of them that are just completely cookie cutter that you have no idea where you're sitting there's no difference between it and anywhere else now that they're all named after companies anywhere you don't know where they are (laughs) like if i just listed for you the names of the 30 arenas in the nba how many of them could you tell me what city that's in two-thirds maybe oh i bet you it's way less I don't think you could name what city two-thirds of the, of the, of the, of the ones. I say in. Smoothie King Arena, you say. Well, I, I happen to know that one because it's so hilarious. <laughs> right. That's New Orleans. Guaranteed rate field. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not basketball. No, but, it's not basketball. But I understand what you're saying. No, but that is the point. Like, it used to be, like, you know, where are we playing? You know, we're, you know you, from, where are we playing? Candlestick Park. Candlestick Park. Now, it's Levi's... <laughs> Stadium, not in San Francisco, and it's not. It's not. It's not even close to San Francisco. It's much closer to San Jose than it is to San Francisco. Footprint Center. Where's that? Which one is it? Footprint Center. Oh my gosh! Say it one more time. What, what, Foot Footprint Center. Footprint is the Foot. word he's saying. Foot. Foot. Oh, footprint. Foot. Foot. That's the name of an NBA arena. Oh, sure is. Footprint Center. And, that, and that's a brand. It's a company. I genuinely have no idea. Who? Who? Where is it? Phoenix Suns. They play in the Footprint Center? What about the Frostbank Center? <laughs> it's not Miami. No. <laughs> we got to do all 30 of these. Uh, that's what I said. I don't think you're going to get you're going to get two I think that you're so right. easily. I, I, think I don't you're think right. you are. All right, we'll have a little bit more fun with that and then we will explain why something is going to happen this weekend. We talked about the owner in Carolina earlier. Something else is going to happen this weekend that is not getting nearly enough attention and we'll dive into what it is coming up but right now this is greenie presented by progressive insurance drivers who switch and save with progressive save nearly 750 dollars on average call or click today find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance again next something you should be thinking a lot more about on espn radio 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Hashtag crew, big day, huge weekend. Football Friday tomorrow. We'll be here to get you ready. Every team's final exam this weekend. Which one of the ones that need to will bring home an A? And then, of course, the monster game on Monday night. Michigan-Washington college football's national championship game. And you will hear all the action right here on ESPN Radio. At ESPN, we got you covered every conceivable way on the TV, on the radio, on the digital, with the, the, um, you know, all the supercasts, uh, megacasts, whatever it is you're looking for, we've got you covered. So don't miss all the action on Monday night, Michigan, Washington. And again, if you're out and about that night, you will not have to miss a second of it. You can listen to all the coverage right here on ESPN Radio. Okay, I want you guys to hear Mike Reese who covers the Patriots for us at ESPN and has forever. And he's a terrific reporter. Excellent. Um, He's measured. He's got great insight. He has the the respect of all of the players and and the entire organization there in New England. I've had great opportunities, particularly Rob Ninkovich has told me a million times, like Reese is is, is a reporter they all really respected. And so we have him on this morning to talk about Belichick. And I'm going to make this point. I think it should be made loudly. I understand that there are a lot of games this weekend that matter a lot in the NFL, and Jets-Patriots is not one of them. I understand that Monday night we have college football's national championship and everything else going on. But the idea that Bill Belichick may very well be coaching his final game in New England, we should not pay little attention to that. This is the end of the kind of thing we will never see again. This is Shula coaching his last game in Miami. This is Starr coaching his last game in Green Bay. This is Noel coaching his last game in Pittsburgh. This is Walsh coaching his last game in San Francisco. This is actually greater than any of those. Belichick won six championships in this stint in New England. We will not see that happen again. 
We will not live to see that happen again. No coach will win six championships anywhere again in our lifetime, and that includes Andy in Kansas City. Because it just doesn't happen. And I think this is going to be his last game. And that should be a very, very big deal. Now, we got Reese on this morning on the TV show, and he was terrific. And he answered a bunch of questions. The first thing he told us is that what is currently scheduled is the game being played on Sunday. And then on Monday, Belichick will meet with Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft, who own the team, and they will have a conversation. And we asked Reese, what does Belichick need to do in that meeting? He just needs to explain to them, okay, here's where things went wrong. Here's my part in that. And here's my vision for how we're going to turn this thing around. And, you know, Damian, who's on the set, has been in those team meetings with players when Belichick stands in front of that room and he says, look, if we hit these targets this week, we're going to win the game. And players often tell me, Greeny, they say, I don't understand. He's right all the time on that. To me, he basically needs to do the same thing with the crafts in terms of his job. Okay, so, so that's that. In order to beg for his job is the wrong word. Convince them that he deserves to stay. Like, I feel a person of Belichick's stature, it shouldn't go that way, but that is the way Mike is describing it. And he says he does believe that Belichick wants to stay. So much so that when I said, I can't imagine Belichick accepting a general manager coming and someone taking the personnel control away from him, that seems to me like something he would never put up with. Mike Reese did not agree. Hard to know. You know, I think about it. He's got his two sons on the coaching staff. You just don't know how he feels about being here. If he wants to be here, I could see a scenario where they're talking in this meeting and Bill says, if we can agree on someone that, you know, can help me in that area, here are some of my shortcomings. Bill Belichick would not surprise me if he did go along with that. So that is fascinating. Again, I defer to his insight. Reese knows this stuff as well as it can be known. Finally, I asked, is there any question that Belichick wants to coach next year, be it in New England or somewhere else? I think decisively. I asked him at the start of this season. I said, you're 71. You're in here grinding. You could be doing anything else right now. Why do you do this? He said, this is what I do. And I think that sums it up perfectly. I think that was so great. And I'm reminded again, I told this story after Coach died, but when Bob Knight broke the wins record in college basketball, which has since been surpassed, but he he broke Dean Smith's record and became the winningest coach of all time in college basketball. He came on Mike and Mike the next morning. And I asked him that morning, do you have any other mountains in your life you want to climb? Now you're the winningest coach ever. You've won three championships. He was... Um, you know, I think he was 67 or 68 at that time. I said, you're still a young enough man that you could have a, another chapter in your life if you wanted one. Is there another mountain you want to climb? And he said, no. He said, this is what I do. Same thing. For some of these guys, they're lifers. This is what, they don't have anything else they're dying to do when they retire. They don't want to retire. So Belichick will be an NFL coach next year. Will it be New England? What odds would you put it at that it is New England? Even. I think it's you go 50 50. Yeah, plus 100 on ESPN. Baba, 50 50 right now. Which, which, which side of that are you betting? I still think he's coming back. Cam? I think he's gone. What do you think? I think he's gone. You think he's gone? I do. His choice or their choice? Mostly theirs. You think they want 
someone else. I think they want to start over again, and I can't tell them they're wrong. If I thought that they were firing him because they thought the game had passed him by or anything like that, then I would be very critical. But I do think, and D-Wood said it well this morning, and he actually said it in the first block of our radio show here today as well. Like, all good things come to an end. Like There just is a time for everything. And you've made this example before. Andy Reid didn't become a bad coach at the end of his time in Philadelphia, but it was time for him to go coach somewhere else, and it's worked out for them, and it's worked out for him. Bill is a lot older than Andy was then, but he's young enough to have a significant coaching tenure somewhere else. So it might be the right thing to do for all sides. Let's live in a world, let's say, who... I mean, look, I think Bill Belichick is brilliant. And brilliant people also are very aware of their shortcomings. So as he takes inventory of the way that he has been Bill Belichick, the GM lately, if he told the Kraft family... I'm going to bring back Scott Pioli. I'm going to bring back John Robinson, whom the Titans just fired as their GM. And we're going to build a sort of brain trust whom I'm going to work with. And we can figure out who has final say as football czar. If you're Bob Kraft, if you're Jonathan Kraft, how are you responding to that supposition? If I'm them, I do it. You do it. But I don't think that I'm them. I also don't think Bill is the easiest person to deal with. And I think I think the relationship between he and Kraft is good. I think it's it's respectful. I'm sure Kraft is very grateful for everything Bill has done. And it's impossible not to admire how extraordinary he's been. But I think a breath of fresh air in the building at this stage of Bob Kraft's life might not be something that hmm. he would be. I think Belichick is not going to be there anymore. If you get a top two pick and you get one of those two quarterbacks, does that change the math for you at all? Regardless, regarding, I'm not sure which way, which way would it push you? That's what I'm asking. I I don't know. I mean, I think it would push you towards maybe wanting to get someone young and energetic to grow with that guy. I don't like what he did with Mac Jones. No, me neither. Not all. No, no, but I, 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 that's correct. I mean, the the way they handled the the offensive coaching situation last year was, I think, in his 20 something seasons, maybe the biggest mistake he made the entire time. And it might have contributed to us being where we are at this point. All right, fascinating stuff. Wonderful show today, everybody. Thanks for all the fun. See you tomorrow, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts. 